The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I think my, my favorite quote was uh, by uh, Norman McLean, who referred to it as the most viewed by questionably inebriated <laughs> art critics. <I'll> get it. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. Any, any piece of artwork in American history. And I think that's pretty much on target, I have to admit. Greetings and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, wishing you positivity, productivity, and prosperity in this pretty new year. This week, award-winning mystery writer and popular crime novelist Craig Johnson rapped with me about his epic Longmire series, Shotgun, Self-Realization, and How to Write Good Books. Craig's the New York Times bestselling author of the Longmire Mysteries, the bedrock of the hit Netflix series of the same name. His latest novel is the 16th Sheriff Walt Longmire murder mystery, Next to Last Stand, a story that centers around Custer's last fight, one of the most viewed paintings in American history. The short version, Custer's Last Fight, was copied and distributed by Anheuser-Busch at a rate of over 2 million copies a year and destroyed in a fire at the 7th Cavalry Headquarters in Fort Bliss, Texas in 1946. Or was it? In a Star Review Library Journal set of the book, Johnson lightens the atmosphere in this complex, thought-provoking mystery that highlights art and Western history, emphasizing the contrast between Native accounts and white history. In this file, Craig and I discussed why he chose to feature forgotten U.S. veterans in his latest book, the wisdom behind Choose a Job You Love, how to host an unforgettable virtual book tour event, his special relationship with the cast and crew of the Longmire TV series, and a lot more. Stay safe and stay sane out there. And I'll see you soon. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am ecstatic today to be joined by a special guest. We've got the... uh, prolific novelist, Craig Johnson. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, I know that you are doing some very interesting things around the promotion of your latest um, in the Longmire uh, Mystery Series. And I want to talk about the latest and some of your fantastic um, 
work and then the, and then all of the interesting things that you've got planned or have already um, done regarding the promotion. But yeah, um, as we do with so many best-selling uh, novelists and authors, let's turn the clock back a little bit and just talk about how you got here. Um, because I guess this is the 16th in the series, right? And <laughs> can you even remember a time when you weren't writing no, the I can't. Wire. Like that. And, and it's, you know, and also it's hard for me to believe that it's been 16 years um, that I've been writing these books. I mean, I I'm, I'm, must be the living embodiment of the adage that if you enjoy what you're doing, you never work <laughs> a day in your life like that, because I, I, I just seems like it's been a couple of weeks um, yeah. since I wrote the cold dish, like at the first Walt Longmire novel like that. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I just love what I do. I love writing like that. I, I love, uh, it's been a tough year cause I also love the touring and meeting the readers and getting out there and, you know, being with the, you know, getting their take on things like it and answering questions and doing all of that like that. But, uh, I don't know. This is, it's, it's a weird year for everybody, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, especially, uh, poignant that we're speaking actually on Veterans Day, given <laughs> that Walt, you know, is a veteran and, um, the long, um, the popular, uh, character. And, you know, of course we'll dig into the latest, but, one of the characters um, who plays prominently is also a veteran um, of a different war, the Korean War. And uh, then, of course, we'll, we'll dig into the very interesting history, the historical piece that goes into um, this one. But yeah, let's, let's dig in uh, to the next to last stand and um, talk first about kind of I don't know the genesis of 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 course <laughs> how you incorporate this this fantastically um, interesting piece of Americana and then um, yeah how you're kind of tied to it personally because there's a lot there's a lot to dig into here. There is there is a, and I can kind of like swing it back also around back to your Veterans Day comment too like that because I I had this idea like that for this book like that, and um, you know it was big it was epic it had a history to it it had all these things that it would be workable. But the problem was, is like, you know, how do you how you do an art heist book that involves the sheriff of the least populated county and the least populated state in America? I mean, there's got to be <laughs> some kind of connection there like that, you know, for that to be plausible. Right. And uh, we're fortunate enough like that, that, um, you know, just outside of Buffalo, which is kind of the the model uh, for, uh, you know, the, the the town of Durand uh, in the fictitious county of Absaroka, like that, which is where um, Walt sheriffs like that. I uh, we were fortunate enough to have Fort McKinney which was one of the forts that was built in response to the little bighorn um, for fear that there were going to be, you know, native uprisings like at all over the place after uh, 1876, like which didn't come to fruition. And right. then um, I think it was like about the turn of the century, about 1903 or so, the federal government sold uh, the fort to the state of Wyoming and they promptly turned it into the soldier and sailor's home. Like it became the veteran's home for Wyoming. Yeah. And that kind of became my connection point. Um, there were, used to be a, a group of individuals called the, the, the wavers who used to sit in their wheelchairs out in front of Fort McKinney and, uh, wave at traffic. Like, and as I was hmm. building my ranch here, you know, about 20 years ago, I would stop in every once in a while and just, you know, flip the tailgate down and sit there and talk with those guys because they had incredible stories. These were guys that were like world war II veterans, Korean veterans, Vietnam veterans, and they had like, you know, really, really marvelous stories like it. And so I would love to just sit out there and talk with them like that. And so when it came time to try and figure out a way um, to make this art heist, you know, uh, 
uh, viable, you know, for Walt Longmire <laughs> to be involved. Like, and I thought, you know what, the 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 the, the veterans' home is probably going to end up being like at one of the the, the components there. Yeah. Um, and I asked the local sheriff, like, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, do you do you do you ever have any dealings up at the veterans' home? And he goes, oh yeah. He says, you know, what'll happen is one of them will pass, and then we'll get a call like that, and we'll drive up there, and you know, in their Footlocker, they'll have you know. Uh, you know, a, a, you know, a handgun or a piece of armament or am, you know, ammunition or something like that that yeah. needs to be disposed of. And he says, you know, we'll have to take care of that. And I thought, well, there it is. There's, there's my, uh, my, my, my lead in point, like, you know, for this, this, uh, this particular piece of artwork, um, which is kind of the MacGuffin of, uh, of next to last stand. Yeah. Yeah. So Custer's last fight being that MacGuffin and, and one of the most viewed paintings in American history and looking at it, of course you remember that it's got that, <laughs> uh anheuser bush uh <laughs> font on at the bottom and that's how bottom, we've all, yes. that's how we've all seen it at least absolutely uh my generation but yeah you, you mentioned that it's kind of like in every bar in the west um kind of hanging over the or you know probably close close to the bathroom at this point but i i think my my favorite quote was uh by uh norman mclean who referred to it as the most viewed by questionably inebriated <laughs> art critics again <laughs> Yeah, I do love that. Any, any piece of artwork in American history, and I think that's pretty much on target. I have to admit, like, but uh, yeah, yeah. To, to, to get into the book, you know, it's, it's a quick, you know, art history lesson. Uh, it was painted by uh, Cassili Adams, like at a, an artist out of St. Louis, um, right. who painted this monstrous, you know, canvas, which was like about sixteen and a half by nine and a half feet, huge. Like it, and uh, it occupied a space after it did a tour in a saloon by the train station in St. Louis, like that, which went out of business and went bankrupt. And uh, at that point, um, its largest creditor was a then uh, local brewery by the name of Anheuser-Busch. And uh, Augie <laughs> Bush walked into the saloon, said, you owe me $30,000 for the, the beer. You know, how are you going to pay me? And they said, well, we're at bankrupt. We don't have any money. And he <laughs> said, OK, I'll take the painting. Like, and he took the painting off the wall, hauled it back up to the brewery, rolled it out in front of his merchandising guys and said, OK, we're going to take posters of this painting and we are going to send them to every single bar every single you know saloon every single restaurant that sells budweiser beer and by the time we're done with this it's going to be you know we're going to be a much larger brewery than we are now and you know what it worked it worked with a vengeance they became like the largest brewery in the world and uh after he had like got his 40 and found out of this he kind of sent you know word to the seventh cavalry that he would like to return the uh, not return but actually give the painting to them, like at which he did, in a, a you know fit of philanthropic zeal, like that gave the painting to uh, the Seventh Cavalry, which was in Fort Bliss, Texas, at that period in time, mm. um, and it hung there on their commissary uh, officers' club wall until 1946, when it burned to the ground and the painting was destroyed, or was it? And, yeah, uh, therein lies the the crux of uh, the next to last stand. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. 
It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, well, kudos on the work and uh, congrats on the, ser- the long running series and the popularity. Um, you know, and I understand that, you know, part of the, the, pro- the writing process of this one in particular, um, you know, evidenced by your, your art history lesson there is that the amount of research that went into it might have been a little <laughs> bit different than some of your other ones. It was a uh, monster. Like, yeah. it, was, it was, you know, I mean, you know, you, you have to, you know, in the modern era, like, you really kind of have to make sure that, you, you know, you get all your T's crossed and your I's dotted like that because, you know, it's just too easy. You know, for people to go out and check, you know, your resources, look at, you know, and double check, you know, on what it is you say. So, you you know, you have a like even maybe a double responsibility to make sure that you get these things correct. And, you know, like I said, you know, the, the little bighorn is only like about 90 minutes up the road, you know, from where my ranch is. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of local history like that. And, and you know, so you have to make sure you get this stuff right. But um, then, you know, the question becomes like, a, you know, that, you know, you don't want to just, you know, do eight years of research and then regurgitate, you know, everything that you've, you know, come up with, you know, on the poor reader, you know, you really need to find something new, something different. Like, and I thought the access point of the painting, you know, kind of provided that. And then, um, here in the last like 10 years or so, there's actually been uh, kind of a Renaissance, I think in history writing, you know, with, uh, Nathaniel Philbrick, you know, um, you know, James Donovan, like that, a lot of writing about the little big horn, James Welch's book, you know, killing Custer, um, a lot of anthologies that have come out, you know, with native voices, um, authors that, you know, that, that have never been heard from before, mm-hmm. like yeah. you know, witnesses, you know, of like warriors that were 12 and 13 years old, you know, at the battlefield, you know, that, uh, you know, their stories have never been heard like it. And so it was kind of like a, a perfect little storm, you know, an opportunity for me to jump in and, and, and do this. I have to laugh, you know, because you mentioned Longmire and one of the funny things was, is that, you know, I was doing research for this book almost eight years ago and, um, I remember the, uh, you know, telling the producers about it and they actually used it as one of the, you know, subplots in one of their episodes in the first season of Longmire. And I've been getting emails from people every once in a while <laughs> saying, did you get the idea for this book, you know, from the episode and the TV show? And I'm like, no, no, they, they got that from me. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's very meta. It's like, wait, no, wait a second. Uh, that was my idea. Um, well, this is really interesting because, you know, I've, sp- I've spoken with so many um, authors during the pandemic. And of course, 
you know, we lament the concentric circles of crises that we've all been facing. And, and of course, the stress of it is wearing on people. But, you know, I think one of the one of the big ones is just like not, be, as you mentioned, not being able to get out and do that great tour that you typically do to all these great cities and bookstores and so on and so forth. So talk a little bit about this fantastically creative, um, <laughs> you know, multiple day, these multiple day events that you did and, and kind of um, how you, you know, reached out to some of your friends to help you uh, make it an experience as opposed uh-huh. to just, you know, just getting on a Zoom call. Well, I've been extraordinarily fortunate in the sense that like, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of, you know, intimately involved, you know, with a lot of the action of the television show, like and getting to know the actors and directors and producers. And, and I had a wonderful time. Like it was really kind of a wonderful experience for me, um, you know, to be that closely involved, which is not always the case, you know, with authors in Hollywood, um, you know, going all the way back to, you know, Faulkner and Hemingway and those guys that, you know, that had fits, you know, working with Hollywood. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I had a good group. I had a good group of people to work with and uh, they were phenomenal. And, you know, the situation, you know, is, is unique in the sense that, you know, that there's a very definitive place and uh, <clears throat> ensemble of characters. Like, we've got this thing called Longmire Days that we do up here in Buffalo, Wyoming every year. Every summer in July, we get all of the actors from the TV show to come and show up with about ten to 15,000 of their closest friends. And hmm. um, and it's it's quite a mob event, but it, it's really kind of charming and wonderful, too, like that, because – you know, every once in a while, you know, we sell tickets to it. And then a lot of the benefits, you know, all the profit benefits like go to um, a charity, um, nice. which in nine, you know, the last couple of years has been uh, um, K-9 Warriors, like that, which pairs, you know, veterans with, um, uh, you know, rescue dogs like that, which mm-hmm. is a very, you know, uh, wonderful event. Um, but, you know, the, the, the actors have been ex- extraordinarily, you know, uh, supportive, you know, of the events like that. And so when this weird year kind of, you know, came around, I thought to myself, well, they're not going anywhere either. They're just sitting, you know, in their houses, (laughs) you know, (laughs) trying to figure out what the next move is, you know. And I thought, what the heck? I'll ask them and see if they want to do a book tour. Like, and uh, I think they must have been really bored out of their minds, like that, because all of them said yes. Like, I kind of thought maybe two or three, maybe four at the most, you know, would say yes, you know. So I asked all of them because I thought, well, just shotgun method of self realization. I'll ask all of them and you know, see, like, if they'll go for it, like, if it's virtual tour. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they all answered and said, absolutely. I want to do a couple, as a matter of fact, I get, oh, you know, Lou Diamond Phillips wanted to do a few like it, um, because he has a book coming out, like has a book coming out, yeah. uh, called the Tinderbox. Like it. And then, uh, you know, Robert Taylor out of Australia was like, I want to do more than one. Like, it. and I was like, okay. Like, it. and so we ended up actually doing multiple actors, you know, in all of the events, which was just a hoot. Um, because, you know, after you tour, you know, by yourself, you know, for 16 years or 15 years, you know, you kind of get into a pattern, you know, of, of being a kind of a one man show like that. But then to suddenly have, you know, a dozen co-stars, it was, you know, really kind of mixed things up and made it a little bit more interesting because, of course, the stories that they tell about Longmire and, you know, and, and the books and all these things are a little bit different from the ones that I tell. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of other things like that. They they had the they had the tour spread out over like about a three week period which is, you know, what I normally do. If I go out on the road, I, I've been out on the road. There have been times like it when I've had as many as, you know, 30, you know, 30 stops, you know, uh, because I just, I enjoy it. I have a good time doing it and I don't yeah. mind touring at all like that. And, uh, you know, and, and this was weird cause they had it stretched out over about a three week period. And I said, why are we doing that? And they said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, and I said, well, you know, you, it stretched out over three weeks. Like, and they said, well, you've got so many events. Like, and I said, but I can do like three a day. Like, and I said, I'm doing them from my kitchen. So there's no reason why we can't do, <laughs> you know, two or three a day. Like, and 
there was a little bit of resistance at first. And then I think they kind of realized, you know, well, that kind of makes sense, you know, because, you know, instead of touring for three weeks, I can tour for like about a week or so and then it's done. And, uh, you know, not that that's your goal, but you know, that, that it kind of like, you know, you're kind of in the flow of things, you know, for a week or so like that. And, uh, it's really kind of easy. It's also a lot easier for the actors, you know, because you can say, look, this is only about a week and a half long and then, then you're done, you know, as opposed to stretching it out over a month. And, and it seems to have worked, you know, really, really well. And, um, you know, the, the, the response was fantastic. Um, you know, thousands of people like it, you know, tuning in and, uh, it was great. It was, it was a really kind of a wonderful way to do it. I don't think it's ever going to replace actual touring, but Mm -hmm. you know, it it does give you an opportunity to reach a much larger, uh, readership base. I mean, you know, there were people that were on these zoom calls like that were, you know, French readers and British readers and, you know, Russian readers and Egyptian readers and all of that. And that's, you know, that's really kind of wonderful to, to be able to get out there like that and uh, speak to more of a global reading audience. Yeah, that's pretty special. Um, This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Talk a little bit, and you mentioned Lou Diamond Phillips, but um, of course, um, just an exemplary actor and now a debut author, correct? And you're interviewing him soon. I am. I, I've got an interview with him, as a, as a matter of fact, tonight, as a matter of fact. And I did some uh, some interviews with him earlier uh, when the book came out. And uh, it was interesting. It was really interesting. I mean, first thing you get from Lou is he's very, very smart. Um, he's extraordinarily intelligent, and he's a reader. He's a big time reader. He reads constantly. Um, whenever he auditioned for the role of Henry Standing Bear in Longmire, um, he discovered that the, the television show was based off of a series of books. And so he ran out, I think, you know, to the, the I think it was the Barnes and Noble in Santa Monica and grabbed the first <laughs> three books of the series and read them over one weekend and came in that morning like that and did the audition and got the role. And, you know, uh, it just kind of gives you a little bit of an indication of what the guy is like. And uh, I remember when I was down there, you know, for filming and it was like one of the first scenes in the Red Pony Bar and Grill. And in the books, you know, Henry has this signature um, salutation that he makes like that, which is, you know, uh, hello from the you know, welcome to Red Pony Bar and Grill and continual soiree. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, they, you know, it wasn't in the script like it. And, you know, I wasn't going to impose and say, why don't you do this? And so whenever, you know, Lou gets ready to do the, uh, the line like that, he turns around like that and says the line, you know, welcome to Red Pony Bar and Grill and continual soiree. And the director, Chris Chulak, looked at him and said, that's really good. Keep it. And Lou looks over at me and I'm standing behind the camera and he goes, I will. <laughs> so, you know, he's uh, just a remarkable guy. Like a great sense of humor. 
And, uh, and I really just, you know, got to know him over the first couple of years, like at, that we were filming, uh, Longmire again, and, you know, got a great time. Like it would, you know, meet him every time I was out in Los Angeles, go out to dinner and everything like that. And, uh, it, I think it took him a couple of years to work up the nerve like that. And he finally, you know, cornered me and said, Hey, I've got this, this book that I'm working on like that. And I was wondering if you would be willing to take a look at it. And I said, yeah, sure. I'm happy to. And mm-hmm. so he gave me the manuscript, like I had to go take a look at the book. And, um, sorry about that. That's my partner in crime here. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, like I, I took a look at the book and I thought, this is really, really interesting. This is something really, really different. It was not what I thought he would write about. I thought it would be, you know, first I thought, oh, maybe it's some kind of like tell all Hollywood book or mm-hmm. what it's like, you know, to be in Hollywood and have all this stuff happen and all these different things like that. And I just thought, you know, I was not prepared for an otherworldly fantasy sci-fi um, epic book, you know, that, that he wrote, it was something completely different, um, from what I suspected, you know, he was going to write and, uh, and it was really, really marvelous. And I told him so like that. And so at that point, you know, I, we would bounce it back and forth and he would send it to me and I would give him, you know, notes and things like that. And, uh, and now he's a, a published author. He's one of us. That's amazing. What a cool relationship. Yeah. Um, built on the, uh, yeah, built on that, uh, interaction early on i love that story um well of course i'll drop a link to that book tinderbox the tinderbox um by lou diamond phillips in the show notes as well so that you can look at that one i think that is, is it out or is it coming out this week or no it's remember. out it's, it's out. out okay cool that's fantastic well what a great story um all right my friend before we wrap up with your advice to your fellow uh scribes on how to keep going um a fun one for you we give to all authors. Uh, if you could choose one author from any era or an all expense paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, who would you choose? Where would you take them post COVID all expense paid? Oh, oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's really tough. Um, oh, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a temptation to go with, you know, the hallmarks trying, you know, get Shakespeare, try and get, you know, Charles Dickens, <laughs> something I've like that. You know, you know, I, you know what, it, it, would be tra- it would have to be uh, John Steinbeck. Oh, nice. um, I, I am a, a big, big John Steinbeck fan. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just, I think his, you know, his understanding of humanity, his ability to tackle, you know, uh, a large canvas like that and still, you know, keep it on a scale of humanity, um, the humor, you know, that's in his books, all of those things. I, I'd have to go with John Steinbeck. I, I, I would just have to. Nice, nice. There are a number of others, but that's the one I'd probably go with if given the first choice. And where are you going to take him? Um, let's see. Where would I take him? Probably, oh, uh, maybe Harry's New York Bar in Paris. Maybe Ooh. that's where I'd take him. Like, you know, get him out, let him stretch his legs a little bit. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, uh, kudos on the 16th. Sheriff Walt Longmire, murder mystery uh, that is next to last stance that is around Custer's last fight, one of the most viewed paintings in American history, an art heist. Uh, and of course, um, Johnson lightens the atmosphere in this complex, thought-provoking mystery that highlights art and Western history, emphasizing the contrast between Native accounts and white history. That was a Library Journal review. Congrats on wow. that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're a quick... Uh, with, you know, just a pearl of wisdom on, on, for your fellow writers on just how to keep going, man, how to keep the ink flowing, uh, during this, uh, really kind of stressful time. Well, I think, you know, what I, I immediately, this book is actually, you know, it's uh, dedicated to 
um, Catherine Court, you know, who was, you know, my editor and uh, publisher for a number, you know, well, up until last year like that. And, uh, if, she, if you know, if Walt Longmire has a godmother, I would imagine that, you know, Catherine Court would be that godmother. And I remember when the cold dish came out, I remember walking into a Barnes and Noble and looking and seeing, you know, the rows and rows and rows of mystery novels hmm. and discovering that there were like about 250 mystery novels that came out in hardback alone every month. And I remember looking at Catherine and saying, how am I ever going to get seen? How am I ever going to get noticed? How am I ever you know, going to get you know, out there where the readers can find me? And I remember her turning to me and saying, write good books. <laughs> That's the only thing that you have control over. I mean, if you can drive yourself crazy thinking about you know, publicity and marketing and Hollywood and all these different things – but in the final analysis, the only thing that you're really ever going to have control over is the writing itself. Like at, and to always remind yourself to write good books. And so I would pass that information along to all my writing friends out there. You know, just just remember to write good books. Yeah, man. Well, that's some fantastic advice. You are taking it to heart, of course. Um, and congrats. I'm going to point at your home base there craigallenjohnson.com. Anywhere else you want to point listeners to connect with you? It seems like all the stuff's there. I'm I'm trying my best. I'm kind of technologically, you know, uh, inept. <laughs> like that, but I, I, I as, as you know, since we have no video on this right now, <laughs> probably, you can tell. And you're lucky because it only took me five minutes to get the audio to work. Oh, when you call no. like it, so I, I'm doing the best I can. But uh, but yeah, no, I've got a Facebook page, Craig Johnson uh, official, you know, with the blue check mark, yeah. like that I check in every day. And of course, there's Instagram, like that with you cross pop twenty five. For yep. Ucross, population twenty-five, our little town here on the hinterlands, like that, and uh, and uh, we're in uh, all the fine bookstores and some crummy ones too, as a matter of fact. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Craig. Well, we thank you for your time, and please come back again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And scene. All right, appreciate you, man. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That was great. Good luck with everything. <laughs> and, Let me know uh, when you want me again. We'll do it again. Oh man, that was so good. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.